Welcome to the Spirit of Praise broadcast coming to you from Tabernacle of Praise Church International, York, South Carolina. I'm Bishop Alfred Jackson. I'm thankful that you've tuned in today. and I pray that the message will bless you and impact your life in a powerful way. Thank you for tuning in. Enjoy the message. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. There is no one like you. Bless the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Yeah. Glory to the name of Jesus. <clears throat> Along with the scripture that was read, and I won't go back and read the earlier scripture, I want to go to Titus chapter 2. We will reference uh, the scripture in Luke, but Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 14. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Hallelujah. I want to talk about celebrating the grace of God. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you that when your word goes forth, it does not return to you void. It accomplishes all that you desire. Thank you, Lord, for prospering your word in the things that you sent your word to. God, we do give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise. Thank you for revealing to us what you are doing, what you were and are doing in Christ Jesus as we celebrate his birth today and his life and his death and resurrection. Thank you, Lord. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. We, we know the, the, the accounts of the birth of the Savior. We read the scripture earlier, but we, we've read it. If you've been uh, in the body of Christ for some time at this time of year, you hear those scriptures uh, read. Matthew's account, Mark's account, Luke's account. You hear those scriptures being read, and we know according to, to Luke's account that before Christ was born, an angel appeared to Mary um, to announce that she was a chosen or was the graced vessel through which the Christ child, uh, the consolation of Israel uh, that, that's talked about, or the Messiah uh, would be born. And again, this is Luke's account, you know, in, in Luke chapter 1, verses 26 uh, through uh, the end of uh, that section, 30, 35, 36. The angel said to Mary, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The, God, the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And Mary asked the question, how will this be? She says, I'm a virgin. I'm a virgin. But the, you know what the angel said to her? The Holy Spirit will come on you. The power of the, of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One 
to be born will be called the Son of God. Now, we know that I don't care what anybody says, there's never been another virgin birth. Amen. This was special what God was doing, and God did it for a purpose. Because God sent Jesus to bring about the salvation of mankind. And he had to be holy. So there was no human DNA passed from Mary into Jesus. All of this is of the Holy Ghost. You don't understand it. There are things that you're just not going to understand, you know. But when you are born again and the Spirit of the Lord begins to give you revelation, then you begin to understand more things. And then I tell people the things that there are no answers for, wait till you get to heaven and ask God, and by that time you won't think about it if you get there. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. There are certain things that are yet mysterious to us. We don't always fully understand all of the workings of God, but we look for God's purposes. And God wants us to understand his purpose for working in the earth because his purpose for work is in, working in the earth affects us so that we can be a part of that purpose. Amen. You're not just born to live and die and go wherever you're going to go. Even if you think you're gonna, your body's going to rust and rot and all that's going to be left is dust, you have a spirit that's going to live on. Amen. Your body is going to go back to the dust from whence it came. Amen. But, but you have a spirit that's going to live on. You have a soul. You have a consciousness that's going to live on. And, and whether you believe it or not, it's the truth. Amen. We have records in the Bible. Uh, you know Lazarus and Davies. Amen. Lazarus died and went to Abraham's bosom. Davies died and went to hell. Yeah. And so, you know, at this point, you know, for most people in here, if you, if you don't know that, that means you haven't been reading. So you need to go and read. So I'm not going to tell it all today. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Read. It's available to you if you want to know. It's available to you. And it's so important because if you don't know, you may miss God's purpose for your life. You may miss God's purpose for you. And God's purpose matter. And you may say that you're not afraid and you don't have any fear and you don't care if you go to hell and you don't believe all of that. Whether you believe or not, it's true. And because you don't believe it, doesn't make it untrue. Amen. Amen. Anyway, uh, so, 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 and we know, so we see God preparing Christ to be that sacrificial lamb. You follow the law of God and you see, you, you see the requirements of the sacrificial lamb. It had to be perfect, no blemishes, no flaws. And in order for Jesus to fulfill God's plan of redemption, he could not have any human DNA in him. So even though he lived as a man, he was still fully God. Everything he did, he chose to do it. Amen? He chose to resist sin. He chose to die on the cross because he had to fulfill God's plan. And he did that to show us that we can do it too. <laughs> you know what I just thought about? Those of us who are old enough, who are old enough, <laughs> you all remember that old song we sing when we'll be playing? What is it? Pantanella in the street. <laughs> oh, praise the Lord. You know, it's good to be old. Amen. Amen. You know, I was thinking about that the other day, and I hate to take these sidetracks, but let me just throw this out there. If nobody had gone before you, you wouldn't know the way. So many young people live like old people are just dispensable. We don't need you. But if nobody had gone before you, you wouldn't know the way. If you only had to depend on those your age for advice, you would be in a really, really, really terrible predicament. Somebody needs to have gone before you. Somebody needs to be older than you. Somebody needs to have some wisdom to pass on to you. Amen. Thank God for the word of God. Amen. That's, that, that, that's, that's been around for centuries. Truth that does not change. Thank God for what he's 
did through the word. Thank God for what he did in Christ Jesus. Anyway, the birth of the Messiah was prophesied. Uh, Jesus was waiting on, 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 the Jews were waiting on this event to take place. They were anticipating the coming of the Messiah, but when, the, when Messiah came, he was not the type of Messiah they were looking for, so they rejected him. And they still reject Jesus today. Many Orthodox, all Orthodox Jews reject Jesus today. Amen. Amen. Many people in the world reject Jesus today. Now, the church has been a, you know, this study that we're doing on urban apologetics is so helpful to us. Uh, If it's helpful to us who are 50 and 60 and 70, God knows it ought to be helpful for you all who are 20 and 30 and 40. Because it's revealing some things to us and it's helping us see how Roman Christianity affected the world in a negative way. But Christianity didn't start in Rome. Christianity started in Jerusalem, spread to North Africa. So you have African theologians who are shaping Christianity and went into Armenia and those other parts of the world before it ever spread to Rome. You know, as I'm studying all of this, you know what I'm saying? I can understand why people like the Hebrew Israelites and and, and the nation of Islam and and Muslim nations. I can understand why they reject Christianity. There is a difference between what the Roman Christians did and what the Bible says. That's why it's so important for us to be in the Word of God. Amen? And to understand biblical principles of faith. Because Christianity is not just a religion. It is a faith and it is a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So we just can't assimilate everybody and say, everybody is Christian. Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be what? Born again. Well, let me go back to my message today. But anyhow, you got to be born again to be a part of Christ. You can join the church and never know Jesus. Never have a relationship with Jesus. But that's what's accepted by the world. And do you know what Roman Christians did? What Roman, what Roman Christianity did to the Christian faith? Because in, in those days, it was okay to be a Christian as long as you accepted all of the other religions of the society. So when Paul went to Athens, it's Greco-Roman, when Paul went to Athens, if you remember the scripture, and he talked about all of these gods that they were serving, I see, he said, I see you have an inscription to the unknown God. That's the God I want to declare to you. You're worshiping all of these gods. Now, the faithful Christians would not assimilate. They would not, they would not mix in with the world. And because they would not accept these other religions and mix in, and they would only serve Jesus, they were persecuted. Many of them were killed because they believed that Jesus is Lord. They wouldn't say Caesar is Lord. They only would say Jesus is Lord. And because they would not mix in, they were persecuted. Christians today, you'll be persecuted when you don't accept all of the ways of the world. But you can't be a Christian, you can't be a biblical Christian and assimilate the culture of, that you live in and all of the things that are mixed in your culture into your faith. I don't care what the government says. I don't care what the world says. I don't care what your friends say. It's what the Word of God says. You know, you call us what you want to call us, but it's what the Word of God says. And I didn't write the Bible. Amen. Amen. Tomorrow we're going to celebrate Christmas. Okay. Uh, of course, we know, if you don't know, that's not the day that Jesus was born, but it's the day that the early church fathers uh, chose to, to commemorate the, and celebrate the birth of our Savior. Amen. Uh, and... and, and, and but, but, and celebrating the birth of our Savior is important, you know. Um, but it's more important to search the scriptures and to find out the implications 
of the birth of our Savior. It's more important to search the scriptures and find out the implications of the incarnation of Christ for the church and for believers today. I need to know, you need to know why he came. Why did the word become flesh and dwell among us? And I still love that, 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 um, um, translation of that, if you will, that says the word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. So as a believer, the word of God should become flesh in you as you move into your neighborhood or as you have moved into your neighborhood, what do people see? You are a Christian. You say you are a Christian. What do people see in you? What do they experience when they meet you? What do they experience when they see your post on Facebook? You know, that's, that's the big, oh, you know, it's not just Facebook. Now, what are some of those other avenues? What? Y'all know, Snapchat, but there's some other things. X, there's some other things. What? Whatever y'all said. <laughs> it becomes jumbled when it gets up here. But you know what I'm talking about. You, people are out there every day and they're posting and they're writing stuff and people are seeing, but yet you say you are a Christian. The word of God should be flesh in you and through you so that when they see your post, they see it experience Christ. Mm. Well, in my studies, as I talked about uh, the incarnation of Christ and the meaning of the Christian of Christmas, the Lord led me to Titus chapter 2. And here uh, the Apostle Paul writes to encourage Titus, who's a young pastor, to provide some insights to him on what, we, what um, he should teach believers concerning how they should live their lives in the midst of a society of people that are not Christian. All right? As he writes to Titus, he makes some very important statements concerning the birth of Christ. And to be more accurate, he doesn't here um, refer specifically to the birth of Christ, but the terminology he uses focuses us in on, uh, on the post-resurrection Christian man, woman, boy, girl, uh, 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 on, on the way that we should think about the birth of Christ. When we think about Christ, when we think about Christmas and all that this represents, there's a way we should be thinking. So I can't just look at the, the scriptures that talk about the birth of Christ. You know, I got to look at all scriptures and then I got to say, Lord, what were you doing in Christ? Why did you send Christ into this world? Why was he born? What's the implication for me today? And it's not just about me, but I live in society. I live in a neighborhood. I live in a culture. I live among people. So what are you saying to me that should resonate from me to those that I encounter? Those in my neighborhood, those in my tribe, those in my family. All right. Titus said, Paul says to Titus, for the grace of God has appeared, okay, the grace of God has appeared. You know, when something appears, it just comes. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But that's a different perspective. It's not so much uh, the baby, the birth of a baby, but it is the appearance of the grace of God, right? You know, a long time ago, People used to sing this song. Got really, it got real popular in the old church uh, uh, about the baby Jesus. Uh, no, I forgot the, the words of the song, but I'm thinking about it. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I realized that Jesus is not a baby anymore. You know, we love the nativity scenes. We love, we love the things we see at Christmas, but what we see should project us forward from here into how we live every day. So it's not just a baby in a manger. So get this perspective. 
when Christ was birthed into this world, the grace of God appeared. Get that perspective, all right? Not just a baby in a manger, but the grace of God appeared, all right? Uh, what does it mean for God's grace to appear? God favoring humanity. That, that scripture that I shared with you last Sunday, where King James says, uh, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men, which is not the accurate translation of that. Because King James had to be pleased, not God. You know, so it had, to, it had to appear that everybody in the kingdom had God's favor. But everybody in the kingdom didn't have God's favor. That's not what the scripture says. The scripture says, amen, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those with whom God is pleased. So God is not pleased with everybody. So God's peace doesn't go to everybody. I know we'll be praying for peace. We pray for people to be healed, and they don't love God. So how do you expect God to release his healing? They don't count God. They don't say anything about God. Many of them hate God, but yet when they get sick, they want you to pray for them. And you're praying for God to heal, and you expect us to pray for God to heal, and get mad if we don't pray for God to heal. No, we need to be praying for that salvation. There's a healing that needs to take place, but it's a healing of the soul. It's a healing of the mind. It is a healing that will bring them to faith in Christ. Because if you die in your sins, you're going to end up in hell. But if you're sick and you die in faith, you'll end up in heaven. So what's the better prayer to pray? If you know your child ain't saved, you need to be praying for their salvation. If they're on that deathbed, you need to be praying for their salvation. You're praying for them to be healed so they can stay with you a little while longer. You need to be praying for their salvation so they'll go, die and go to heaven, and maybe one day you'll meet up again. And we should stop this lie that everybody died went to heaven because everybody who died doesn't go to heaven. Some people you're not going to meet again. If you are a believer and your husband is an unbeliever, you will not meet in heaven. And then when you do meet, you ain't going to be married no way. But you want them to go to heaven. You want people to live eternally with the Lord. That's why grace has appeared. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so now I, when I think about Christmas, I think about grace. Think about, uh, now, you know, even though, uh, you know, some things have happened uh, in my life, and my wife's life, you know, but God's grace, God has been good to us. Just over these past few weeks, some things that have happened that we were not expecting to happen. God has been good to us. You know, sometimes, sometimes when, when, when one thing doesn't happen, if you're not careful, you allow one thing to get you down. You got to learn how to wait on God. God will do something else that you're not expecting. Somebody here today needs to wait on God. God's going to do something that you're not expecting. So don't let bad circumstances get you down. Just keep trusting, keep believing, keep waiting on God. Hallelujah. Amen. So, uh, this grace, the grace has appeared. This grace did not just appear. God had and has a purpose for sending his grace into the world. And it's imperative for every believer then and now to understand and embrace the purposes of God's grace appearing and manifesting in this world and in our lives. It's crucial for, 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 it's crucial for without this understanding and embracing, we will, we will bring shame to the name of Jesus. We'll bring shame and dishonor to his mission in the world. I don't know if you understand bringing shame to somebody. But if you live in a family, sometimes we've done things that brought shame to our parents. They're expecting one thing out of us and we did another. It's shameful. Some of us never went back and said, I'm sorry, I apologize. Yeah. But we don't want to bring shame to the name of Jesus. We want to bring honor to the name of Jesus. 
So in this passage, Paul mentions, he mentions three things uh, that, God does, God, that God's grace does for the believer, which are great reasons for celebrating grace's appearance. First of all, God's, break, God's grace, he says, brings salvation, and he says, for all people, for all groups of people, right? You say, oh, that's nothing. <laughs> we live in the 21st century, but the gospel has been around for a while, for a long time. Yeah, yeah, since first century AD, the gospel has been around. The Old Testament has been around before then. Now, now I'm speaking predominantly today to African Americans. Okay. Are y'all still awake? Y'all listening? If you know our history, and you know the history of the way our people have been treated down through the centuries, some people would have said God's grace didn't appear to us. It appeared to them first. And great God graced them so that they can go and evangelize the ignorant people of Africa. Because all of them were running around without clothes on. They got bones in their noses. They practiced all of these ungodly things. And they didn't realize that God's grace appeared to Africa. Because God is not concerned so much about appearing in a particular culture without embracing the people, God appears in all cultures. Your culture may be different from mine. All right? So in my culture, I may come to worship and I may dance and I may run all around the church and I may lift up hands. God does not reject me because I do that. Your culture, you may sit quietly and stilly and say nothing. In your culture, you may speak English. In my culture, I may speak Swahili, but it does not mean that God does not accept me in my culture. The grace of God has appeared and brought salvation to all people. So it's not just dealing with man, woman, boy, and girl. It's dealing with it's dealing with the with the with the with the crew, and it's dealing with the with the bantu. It's dealing with the it's dealing with the Chichewa. It's dealing with the uh, 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 Uzbekistanis. It's dealing with the Japanese. It's dealing with the Chinese. It's dealing with the Russians. It's dealing with the Hispanic people. God's grace has appeared for all people. You're included. My brothers and sisters who don't look like me are included. My brothers and sisters who don't act like I act are included. It's for all people. Now, because God accepts us in our culture, doesn't mean that everything we do in our culture is accepted by God. Amen. It's so important that we get this. Amen. So God, what, what God did in sending this grace into the world is that he has broken down any wall, anything that divided people from him. And his grace brought salvation to all people. Grace brought salvation to all people. I was in a service one time, a long time ago, and an old man said, at the foot of the cross, there's level ground. You know, even today, if we just deal with, with, with our culture, it's so easy to get caught up in classism. But at the foot of the cross, there's level ground. So that means at the foot of the cross, there's no one step, two step, three steps. All of us are on the same level. We can get caught up in our titles and our positions and we can get caught up in who we are and where we came from and what family we're from and how much money we have, but none of that matters to God. At the foot of the cross... There's level ground. The angel said uh, 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 to Joseph, she, speaking of Mary, shall bring forth a son. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now, yes, of course, at first he's speaking to the Jews. But remember, the Bible says Jesus came unto his own. His own did not receive him. 
but as many as received him to those he gave the right to become children of God. Yeah. Acts chapter 4 verse 11 says, this is the stone which the builders rejected, which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under the heaven given among men by which we must be saved. The Lord is concerned about all people. Okay. Now Paul didn't just limit uh, the, 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 the operation of God's grace towards Christians to justification in the restricted legal sense of the conversion experience, but throughout his letters, Paul indicated that God's grace continues to operate in the sanctification process in a Christian's life. God's grace is at work in my life. God's grace is at work in your life. God's grace is active. God's grace is powerful. You see, when we, when, now, by now you ought to figure out when we're talking about God's grace appearing, we're talking about Jesus. So Christ is at work in my life. Christ is at work in your life. The more you surrender to him, the more he can work in you. The more you hold back, the more you reject, the diff, more difficult it is for him to work in you. But he's, he's reaching to you. He wants to draw you to him. He wants you to know him. He wants you to grow up in him. He wants you to love him more than you love anything else. His grace sustains us in a time of need. His grace provides strength to us. His grace produces thanksgiving and glory to God in us. His grace even affects our conversation. It's because of Jesus that I don't curse you out. Are you understanding me? Because without the grace of God, I will still be that old person. It's because of his grace at work in my life. It's because of his grace that I don't swindle you. It's because of his grace that I don't cheat you. It's because of his grace. Are you understanding me? And it happens in every believer's life. It's because of his grace that we... Yeah. Brings us to our next point. So his grace teaches us. His grace teaches us. The longer we are in Christ, that's why last Sunday I, the Lord let me emphasize, young people, you got to stay in the Lord. You got to stay. You know, there are problems in every church. It doesn't mean you throw the baby out with the bathwater. This is not about so much about church membership as it is about the relationship with Christ. If it's only about church membership, we go back to that old way of thinking that Christianity becomes, as Constantine did, becomes a religion of the empire. So now everybody's blanketly a Christian. No. No. That's why many places all over Europe, churches are shut down. The church is growing in Africa because people understand a relationship with Jesus. They understand a relationship with Jesus. So it's not so much it's about, is it about church membership, but it's about a relationship with Christ. And in this relationship with Christ, the more I stay, the more I learn of him, the more his grace teaches me, the stronger I become. So, so I can't be flip-flopping. I can't be in the church today and out of the church tomorrow. Don't fool yourself. When you are not consistently connected to Christ, you don't grow in the Lord like you should. Let me give you a good example. How many of you have plants at your house? How many people got plants? What happens when you don't water them consistently? What? What? So they need to be watered. They need to be nourished. Otherwise, they die. And guess what? They don't die immediately. They, they just slowly die. They'll start giving you signs that they're dying because they'll start withering. After a while, the leaves start dropping off. And guess what? Eventually, they and that's what happens. Now, you might go back and reward. I got a plant. Now, my wife did better the last time I was gone, but for some reason, she forget to water this plant. And I come home, and my poor plant, 
There's just one plant. Now, she, she got plants, she waters, you know, but that one plant, maybe it's where it is, and my leaves have dropped off this plant. You know, I shot back to watering it, and it'll start putting out again. That's good. But the leaves that didn't drop off are big. They were stronger. They sustained the drought. It's the baby leaves. They may come back. There might be some life still in the stem. Oh, my brothers and sisters, if you're in here, if you're listening to me, if you're watching me online, and, and you're not consistent in your walk with the Lord, there's still some life in the stem. And you need the water of the Holy Ghost. But when you start sprouting again, you don't get back to where you were overnight. Are you understanding me? That's why you got to stay. You you got to be consistent. Doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. But you're going to grow toward perfection. Because you stay, you keep getting watered. You come back every Sunday, you get watered. Oh, Bishop talked about me today, but I'm going back next Sunday. Actually, it wasn't Bishop talking about me. That was the word of the Lord. That was the Lord talking to you, not about you. You know, that's a, that's a thing that, you know, that's cultural because people grow up, he was talking about me. Mama, he was talking about me. So you get to the church and you hear a sermon that seems like the pastor's talking about, oh, the pastor talking about me. Just forget about that. And thank the Lord that he saw you. Thank the Lord that he cared enough about you to speak to your situation because the Lord sees you dying like that plant. The Lord sees you withering up like that plant. And the Lord is trying to get some nourishment to you so you can start sprouting again. Now this time, when you sprout, keep on growing. Stay there. Let the Holy Ghost keep watering you. Let the Word of God keep fertilizing you and keep giving you nourishment so you can grow in the Lord. His grace is here to teach us. Teach us what? Listen to this. It says, teach us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present world. Uh, how, how, how much clearer can you get? I'm not even going to elaborate on the rest that I wrote down. How much clearer can you get? Teaching you to say no to things that are not like God. Ungodliness. Teaching you to say no to worldly passions. He's not saying he doesn't want you to have a job or a career and love your job or a career. That's not the worldly passions he's talking about. But he knows the he knows he knows the the, the detriment of adopting worldly patterns of thought. He knows the detriment of adopting worldly ways. He knows the detriment of the only associations you have are people who don't love him. You have ear gates, these are gates to your soul. You have eye gates. These things are open. Now, what are you listening to? What's entering your gates to your soul, to your spirit? What are you allowing in? God's grace says, say no to this. God's grace teaches you to say no to this. God's grace teaches you to turn the TV off when stuff comes on that's not right. God's grace. The more you stay, it teaches you to say, no, I can't. Ah, that's not right. It doesn't set well in my spirit. God's grace teaches us. Someone said, the true learning of heaven must begin with unlearning and laying off all which stands in the way of the development of the new man. What do you mean? The Bible says he does in Christ is a new creature. All things have passed away. Well, if I'm going to learn God's way, I got to unlearn what I learned in the world. All those wise fables, all that stuff, all those sayings that people have, have taught you, I gotta un, you got to unlearn that. 
Because if, 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 if the new person, if the new man is going to develop and grow in you, it starts with rejecting, unlearning, or laying off everything that stands in the way of that development. You want your babies, for those who are young enough to have babies, and your grandbabies, great-grandbabies, you want them to develop correctly. Is that right? So you have to be careful what you let them hear, what you let them see, and you have to be careful what you put into them. You have to be careful with the newborn baby, the milk you feed that baby. You can't, you can't start giving them collard greens too soon. Because their systems are not suitable for that. So you're careful. You're careful. You want them to develop right. You want your children to go to school and be able to excel in school? Most educators will tell you, don't let technology babysit your children when they're little. Don't give them iPads to entertain them for hours or cartoons to entertain them, videos and things that only allow them to see, to entertain them for hours because you're too busy to sit down and read to them or talk to them. You want them to develop. You want them to be able to go to school and excel in school, to be able to, 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 to compete with others. The development of your child is what's important. The same way for you as a newborn Christian, your development is important. Part of the reason some of us who are older have not developed, are not spiritual like we ought to be, mature as we ought to be, is that when we were babies, we didn't develop right. Some of us were in churches that didn't teach us the word of the Lord. Some of us, were, we, we grew up liking hype. By now, I would have been in a good hoop. And if I was in a Pentecostal church, the keyboard, the musician would be on the keyboard. And you'd be up on your feet and you'd be, preach, preacher. You know our, you know our, our culture. But the Bible says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. So we got to develop right. God's grace appears to teach us in this developmental process. And lastly, lastly, God's grace helps us wait for the blessed hope. You see, you remember? Well, maybe you don't remember. Some of us remember the teaching. In Acts uh, chapter 1, when Christ is taken up from the disciples, they're standing there gazing and the angel appeared and said, Men of Galilee, why are you gazing up into the heavens? For this same Jesus that you've seen taken up from you shall come again in like manner. Jesus is coming again. Can somebody say Jesus is coming again? He is coming again, saints. He's coming again. God's grace helps us wait because you've got to wait for this blessed hope. We can't set a time limit. People have said, oh, he's coming now. You know, when, when Barack Obama was elected president, these foolish people said, that's the Antichrist. Jesus is coming up, coming back again. Well, they didn't say it when the other man was elected president. That's what. <laughs> we cannot set a time. Jesus said, no man knows the day nor the hour. But one thing is sure, he's coming again. He's coming again. And because of the grace of God, we've learned to wait and expect his coming. Now, what manner people are you to be in all holiness and godliness as you wait for his coming? It's his grace that teaches us. It's grace that teaches us. They that wait upon the Lord. In this waiting, doesn't mean things are going to be easy. We're still going through. Satan is still the prince of the power of the air, but we have authority over him, and we learn how to walk in that authority, and we learn how to confess the word of God, and we learn how to rebuke the devil and stand against him. It becomes easier 
But it doesn't mean that warfare is not going to happen. It doesn't mean the attacks are not going to come. But we wait patiently on the Lord. We expect the Lord. Amen? And we live every day expecting the Lord Jesus to return. So when we approach Christmas, yes, it's, this is the Advent season. We've already, we've already heard about the birth. The birth has taken place. So what is he push, pointing us to? He's pointing us to his second coming. Will you be ready? Will you be ready when he comes again? So as we celebrate his, his coming today, we're celebrating the appearing of his grace. because he's, he's granted grace to us. He saved us. Came for salvation for all people. He allows us to be a part of what he's doing in the world today. This is, this is just what we do on Sunday morning. This is just a small part what it means to be a part of God is what we do every day that makes all the difference in the world. As we celebrate the appearing of God's grace. He's coming again, saints. Let's be ready. Let's stand. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you, Lord, that when your word goes forth, it does not return to you void but it accomplishes all that you desire. Thank you, Lord, that you prosper your word in the things that you sent your word to. Thank you for sending your word to us today concerning your grace. We don't deserve your grace, but you granted us grace because you love us. Thank you, Lord. And not just us. You love the world, the people of the world, the people's of the world, and you still love the peoples of the world. While we wait for your coming, help us to get involved in your mission. Help us to get involved in sharing this gospel message and to pray that you send more laborers into your harvest. And as we pray now, God, send more workers. Send more workers into your harvest. Here at TOP, send more workers. In other ministries, send more workers. Send more workers. Help us who are part of the harvest to go to work and not just stand by and let the crops die in the field and rot in the field. God, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. If there's anybody this morning you don't know Christ as your Savior and your Lord, and you want to give your life to Jesus today. We want to give you that opportunity to do so this morning. This is the right time. This is the right time to give your life to Jesus. If you're not saved, will you accept him today as your Savior and as your Lord? If you are outside of fellowship with the Lord and you need to rededicate your life to the Lord, this is the right time to come, to give your life to Jesus, to rededicate your life to the Lord so that you can be like that plant, that plant that's sprouting again, putting on some new leaves and growing and fulfilling your purpose in this life. You need a church home, and the Lord has said that you should connect with this ministry. This is also the time to come. And if you're watching us online, and you want to make that commitment, we're going to lead you in a prayer of confession. And after you make the confession of your faith in the Lord Jesus, write to us. Let us know that you've done, you've made the confession of faith in Christ so that we can follow up with you. We don't want you just to confess Christ and then there's no connection. We want to follow up with you. We want to help you start this growth process so that you can be the ones that God wants you to be and be engaged in the work that God wants you to be engaged in. There's a purpose for your life. You're not just born just to live and die. You're not just born just to do what you want to do. 
you're born so that you can be a part of God's plan and God's purposes in this world. So I'm going to pray a prayer of faith today. And if you're here or if you're watching us online, we want to give you an opportunity to come now to make that confession. If you're online, you can pray with me and then give us your contact information so that we can follow up with you. Repeat after me, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner and I can't save myself. But I believe you died on the cross for my sins. You gave your life to satisfy God's righteous requirement so that I could be acceptable to God. Lord Jesus, I accept your sacrifice. Thank you for making it possible for me to be saved. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. I accept your sacrifice. I accept you today. Lord Jesus, your word says, by my faith, I'm saved. My faith in you. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Amen. I pray that you've been blessed by the message. And if you have, write to us. Let us know how this message has impacted your life. Or if you've made a decision for Christ today to follow Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, write to us and let us know that as well and give us your information so that we can follow up with you. You may write to us at Tabernacle of Praise at msn.com. That's Tabernacle of Praise at msn.com. Give us your email address or a way to contact you so that we can follow up with you. Also, we would like for you to sow into this ministry. If you've been blessed by this work, by the preaching of the gospel and the teaching of the gospel, and you would like to help further this cause, we're not just preaching here in the United States. We are preaching around the world. Through this podcast, our messages are being heard in many places around the world. We are actively working in eight countries in the world, on the ground in Liberia, Malawi, Burkina Faso, Ghana, Guinea, uh, Kenya, and Dominican Republic. So if you'd like to help us in this work, feel free to sow a seed to help further the preaching and teaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the expanding of the kingdom of God. If you would like to give, go to topraise.org forward slash give. Again, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Continue to pray with us and for us as we continue to spread this gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. God bless you.